I wanted to take this moment to tell you about a program I am in that helps women navigate the journey of realizing their lesbians while in relationships with men. It's a 12-week support program called Coming Out on the Other Side. It is hosted by one of my early podcast guests, Emily Better. Some of the topics include the three stages of coming out later in life, understanding why you didn't figure this out sooner, and why this is so hard. You will go from being scared, confused, lacking confidence, hiding your true self, and feeling alone, guilty, and misunderstood, to overcoming fears, understanding and embracing who you are, being confident in yourself and your decisions, and ultimately being able to come out and live as your authentic self if and when you're ready. Learn more by going to thelatelifelesbian.com. Welcome to the Let's Be Honest podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is a spiritual mentor and empowerment coach who works with the LGBTQIA community, and more specifically, late bloomers like herself. Welcome to the show, Carrie DeWitt. I appreciate you having me. I found you on TikTok and enjoy your videos because I'm I just recently turned 40 and just now starting that coming out process. I was okay. married to a man for 18 years, no kids or anything. Okay. So yeah, the algorithm, TikTok oh, yeah. algorithm. It takes you right there. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love for you to kind of share your story. I come from a very conservative home. My father was a Baptist preacher growing up. I come from a long line of Baptist preachers all the way back to the 1800s. Maybe not all Baptists, but all preachers, Christian preachers. I was married three times. I have five children. Married three times just trying to make sure that I, it wasn't me. Is it me? Am I doing it wrong? You know, that kind of thing. So I married three times, have five kids. And at 39, I hit a wall. I had some really, I had a tragedy that happened inside of our family and they kind of just like shook me awake. And I started to look around at my life and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. This isn't living. And you know, the reality of the fact that I felt stuck in my life in a place that didn't feel good anymore. And I didn't know why. My marriage was crumbling. I didn't know what I needed to do to fix it kind of thing. And by the end of 2016, I asked for a divorce and I basically started life over. I was 39. I'm 45 today, but I didn't come out immediately. I had no idea I was gay because that wasn't even an option growing up. It wasn't an option in my mind that that could be for me. And so I just was trying to be like, okay, well, who is Carrie DeWitt anyway? Who am I? And so after I started coaching school is when I started to dig into those deep places that I had kind of shut the door on. Nope, nope, nope. You can't come up. That's a big no. As I began to uncover those bases and open those doors, I realized that I was not at all straight. And it made complete sense why my marriages were shambles and messes and why I had three of them and still figured out, still thought it was me. And I've been on a journey ever since. I started to support late bloomers like myself because honestly, I felt like I was the only one. When I came out in 2018, I felt like I was the only late bloomer. I talked to the queer people in my community and they're like, never met anybody who came out later. Except for one, one of my closest friends let me know they had come out twice. They came out as a lesbian and then later on in life as an older adult, not an older, but an adult that came out as a trans person and then later came out as non-binary. So there were a lot of factors 
And I was like, oh, I'm not the only one. So I started a Facebook group with a support group that would give people like us a place to go. And I remember I originally had someone in my life who was like, what are you doing? There are not any people like you. This is a waste of your time. Interestingly enough, there's over 7,600 people in that group now and almost three years later because I started it. I believe it was late 2020 when I started it. And <laughs> it's really supported me and my own personal development too because at that time I was terrified to be on camera. I was terrified to tell my story. I was feeling so much shame and guilt around my own experience still. And so supporting others walking through this and being able to be on camera and be able to be received by other people and be able to have people go, oh my gosh, that sounds like my story has really expanded me so much to the point where now I am writing book and I want to tell my story. I want people to know that they're not alone. I want people to experience the life that they deserve to experience. And that's being in their full authentic self. We all deserve to be able to be our true authentic selves. And that's literally our birthright. And so that's been my mission ever since is helping people know that they're not alone. Yeah, I love that. I appreciate that. I'm in that Facebook group, I believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I am because I found you on TikTok. Then yeah. Yeah. I went down the whole rabbit hole. And so I'm excited <laughs> about uh, the book coming out. And I know before we started recording, you had mentioned also a journal too, mm -hmm. which I think is going to be great. Yeah. So when you got divorced, did you get divorced because you knew that you were lesbian or did that not, that wasn't even something you figured out till? It was two years later. Okay. It was literally two years later. The first year, all I did was cry and beat myself up and feel so much shame and guilt around leaving my husband and my children were uprooted from their life that they knew. And I was just unpacking that. And I had friends, I lived in an RV for a year and a half after my, or a year after my divorce and a year and a half total, but a year after my divorce, I lived in an RV and I would sit around the campfire after work every day with friends and we would just have these deep discussions. And I started getting questions like, well, why do you believe that? And where did that come from? And, you know, and I was like, whoa, I had never had anybody ask me where these deep-seated beliefs about, about the world, myself, sexuality, all of it, where it came from. And it just started to open up doors for me to be able to access the stuff that I had literally just buried under in deep, deep bulbs. And so a year later, I moved four hours away. I packed my Tahoe. I put my RV up for sale. My ex-husband had moved out of state with the kids. That's a whole nother long story, but he moved out of state. And it took me a year to get the courage to start over in a new state by myself. So I loaded my Tahoe. I didn't have any money. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a home. I didn't have any friends or support system. I had nothing. And I took off and I started life in a new town and sold my rig, got my first apartment, started coaching school. That's when it started getting interesting. That's when I started to tap into those deeper places. And I was actually slinging beer at a brewery at the time. And this woman walks in and she was so eccentric and just loud and exciting looking. She had a purple mohawk and piercings and tattoos. And I was like, whoosh, who is that? It's so funny how it was just someone who was living in their authentic truth walked in and I was like, whoa, like the, the floor felt like it shook. 
And now I realized that I was seeing someone live in that authentic way that was inspiring to me. But I also had my first accepted girl crush. I'd had other situations that had happened and I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. Like the year that I first moved to, to Virginia, I went out for New Year's Eve and a girl kissed me when the ball dropped. And I was like, oh, and she was like, I liked it. Did you? I was like, yeah. I was like, you want to do it again? She was like, yeah. And so we totally kissed again, but then she wanted my number and wanted to go out. And I was like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're not going that far because I was too scared to accept that piece of me. And it took two of those experiences for me to get to a point where I was like, I'm going to see what's here. Like I, I saw this woman walk into the brewery and I'm like, I'm not going to run this time. We're just going to see what's here. And yeah, the rest is history. I realized I was just so, so, so gay. <laughs> so did you start dating that woman or what's the story I there? Did. I did. Okay. We, we dated for a little while. And funny, we're, she's such an incredible person. We're still very good friends, typical lesbian style, you know. But truly, she's really the only ex that I'm friends with. But it's just because we realized that our friendship was actually really important. Our romantic ship, not so much of a good set. And we were able to understand it and recognize that that still can create a healthy ship. And she was really the catalyst that pushed me into my truth and helped me stand when I didn't know how to. She understood religious teachings and I had so much guilt and shame wrapped around my queerness because of my religious backing. And so she introduced me to, to some really good books that helped me to dive into that. One of my favorites, and I'll go ahead and say it for your readers, is God and the Gay Christian by Matthew Vines. I was blown away when I started reading this book. I was like, what? What? Okay, there's more to this story. And so I've been in a deconstruction pattern since then of recognizing truth versus man-made construct when it comes to religion. And so it's been a really beautiful journey. But yeah, she was the catalyst. And I will forever be grateful for how she just walked herself in with her flaming hair and <laughs> gay yeah. self into the bar that day and woke me up. Yeah, there's usually some sort of catalyst. I've read that book. I don't know. I probably have like 30 books on the topic. So I'm curious, do you still consider yourself a Christian? No. Oh, okay. No, I do not. I, I don't consider myself connected to any religious group. I am very spiritual, but it's not religious. And so I've found truths and things that I can grab hold of in the religious teachings that feel really good to hold on to, but not it as a whole as it is, as it yeah. is taught. It's just a very different process now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I assume like your ex-husband and your family, your pastor, father, I assume they all know at this point. Oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. how did they handle and react to it? Well, that's a fun story. <laughs> The ex-husband, not so well, as you might imagine, not so well. That's been, that's been a little bit of a journey in and of itself. My father, on the other hand, surprised me. When I told him my truth, I was scared to death. It took me two years to tell him. I wrote him an email because I couldn't do it to his face and I couldn't say it with my voice. I just, every time I tried to, I would cry or my voice would shake and crack and I just couldn't. So I wrote it and he wrote me back. He was like, I love you no matter what. 
to me, there's some underlying, no matter what piece, like I'm doing something wrong. I love you, even though you're wrong. And I know that his beliefs hold the container of queerness being wrong, being a sin, being an abomination. And yet he's still choosing to love me. And I appreciate and honor that. I also don't agree with him. And so we set some very healthy boundaries when we had this first conversation. He let me know, you're never going to persuade me to believe differently than the Bible tells me. And I said, I can respect and honor that. And you're not going to persuade me to walk away from my truth and not be myself. So if we just can set a boundary that we don't have conversations around religion, I think that we'll be fine. And we have it. And we don't, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about my queerness. It's not like I wouldn't take somebody home if somebody special came into my life. I haven't yet. Nobody has reached that point in my life yet since I have been out. But I will when the time comes. And if they're not received, we won't go back. You know, that kind of thing. I've learned how to set boundaries. And that was something that I didn't know how to do. I didn't know how to use my voice. I didn't know how to set boundaries. I didn't know how to speak my truth for fear of displeasing my family or making people unhappy with me. I was a perpetual codependent people pleaser. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. People pleaser. (laughs) That's kind of something I realized about myself during this process is that I'm a people pleaser. You want everyone to be happy with you and approve of you Mm -hmm. and everything about you. And I guess it's just kind of a common theme maybe that late lifers have. (laughs) Well, I think it has to do with the fact that we buried parts of ourselves, whether we did it knowingly or not. I mean, the first crush I had on a girl was eight and it was a very taboo thing that we kissed. We were playing house and we kissed and it was super taboo. And it was like, oh, we can't tell anybody this is bad. So I built a belief around how that was bad very, very early on. Of course, all the Bible teachings teaching us, you know, how about Sodom and Gomorrah and all these things about how it's an abomination. And so there was very deep seated beliefs in me that it was bad. So I didn't even know that I tucked it down. I started to unpack all of that as I started to wake up to myself. But when we build our identity around someone else's container, we slam our big selves into this tiny little box that we're told to fit in to be good people or to go to heaven. Of course, we're going to build our identity around making sure people are happy with us because we, it's, it's outside of our authentic way of being. So we have to make sure it matches what we are told is good. So the only way we can do that is to receive validation. And so that's where all of that comes from. It's a gigantic cycle that just continually pushes down our authentic nature. People pleasing comes from not knowing this version and not being able to speak truth from this version. We go from here based on what we're told to be and who we're told to be and how we're told to be and where we're told to be. One of your videos was talking about how I think as a society, we're kind of told that no matter what the topic is, that everything's binary. There's only two Mm -hmm. options. There's gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, Mm -hmm. black, white. Good, bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's like only two options for like everything, pretty Mm -hmm. much. I've always, and maybe this is why, because I've had that mindset. I'm kind of like a black and white type of person, like Mm -hmm. an all or nothing through this process, I'm recognizing that and realizing that everything in life 
there's shades of gray with everything. Everything. So. I like to say it's color. Oh. I like to say there's black and white, but we live in a world full of color and we completely push all those colors to the side and say, nope, there's this one and there's this one. We live in a world of color. We can look around us and see the world is not black and white. It's very visibly obvious the world is not black and white. So why would we think that everything else is black and white? Yes. There's all kinds of colors. There's all kinds of shapes. There's all kinds of ways of being. There's no right or wrong. There just is. Mm -hmm. It's our perceptions that make it right or wrong. So when you were coming to this realization, mm -hmm. was there a point where you back <laughs> on your life and you're like, okay, that's like you were talking about at eight years old, having a mm -hmm. crush on like, were there several things kind of throughout <laughs> your life like that where you're like, looking back, it's like, oh, well, it, it's so mm. obvious now. Oh, yeah. So many places. So many places. Like, I was, I had such a crush on my best friend in high school, but I thought she's just the best friend and that's what girls do. She's pretty and I would just admire her because she's pretty. And I didn't realize that it was actually a crush. I, had, I, I mean, I just didn't put those two things together because that was off limits. It wasn't even an option. So yeah, when I look back over the course of my life, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Mm. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of how I am too. It's like, or you kind of at the time in junior high or high school or whatever, mm -hmm. even if it seems kind of weird or off to you that you're into this one girl in particular, it like you write it off as admiration. Yeah. I really admire her for who knows what reason. Yes. Or she's just really pretty or yes. whatever. When it's like now looking back, you're like, okay, there mm -hmm. was a lot more to that story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And continually burying anything other than that, because that would make me quote unquote wrong. Right. And so I was known as boy crazy growing up because I would try so hard like work so hard to fit into their group, their box, their container that they wanted me to fit in. And it, it was, I was boy crazy because every time I tried, it was like, oh, no, this isn't working. Mm, nope, that's not working. It was constantly not a good fit, which is natural and normal as we're growing up and learning ourselves and figuring ourselves out and learning other people. But it was more so than that. There was something else and I just never could put my finger on it. And, you know, I know there's some people who get to this point later on in life and they realize they're gay or queer or lesbian or trans or whatever that they identify as, and they never had those inklings inside of them. And they are there, they think, well, maybe this is just a phase. Maybe I'm just don't, maybe I'm just not sure. Maybe I'm just confused. The programming is very thick for a lot of us. And for me, I was one of those that the programming was very thick. And so when I first got to this point, I'm like, can't be right. I dated all those boys in, in high school. I was married three times. That can't be right. It can't be possible. Guess what? It is. It is. I've been mis mislabeled because of having my past relationships with men and boys. I've been mislabeled as bisexual. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really fit right now anymore. So I'm not sure how other people get to label us, but it does happen. And I'm sure many of the labelers who have had male partners in the past have been mislabeled. 
primarily within our LGBTQIA community, which is really sad to me how we do that. But labeling I've been playing with over the years because, you know, when I first came out, I was like, I'm not gay. I'm not a lesbian. I just like this girl because it was too much guilt and shame wrapped around what I was doing. And I did it in secret for a while because I was just too ashamed to admit what was real. The fear was too rich. It was too thick. And so as I continued the path and I got to know myself a little bit more, I was like, oh, I'm definitely lesbian. 1000% it is true and through. And then I dated a non-binary person. I'm like, well, maybe lesbian doesn't fit because this person doesn't identify as a woman. So maybe, maybe this doesn't fit. So that's when I started to play around with gay and queer. And then the whole idea of feminine versus masculine, the binaries again. And I was feminine. I mean, I was a tomboy growing up, but I was very feminine presenting when I first came out. And I didn't like it. As soon as I started to realize when you start to wake up and you start to see all the colors and you look down and you're wearing black and white and you're like, oh, I don't think I like this so much anymore. I love the color. And so I just started to invite more color and more playfulness into my life. And with my hair, my hair used to be really long, like halfway down my back. And I just started cutting it shorter and shorter. And then this year I was like, you know what? Look at all. I'm shaving it off because my hair doesn't define me. It doesn't make me feminine or masculine. And I was tired of playing that game. And I just wanted to release all of those stories from, that had to do with my hair. And so I shaved my head. And now I absolutely love playing with it, uh, androgyny because it gives me playfulness. And in those two supposed binaries, I get to play with everything in and around the binaries. I get to be exactly who I am. And not worry about, do I look too feminine? Do I look too masculine? It doesn't matter. I look like me. And that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. One of the first things I did when I got divorced was I didn't shave my head, but I cut it pretty short. It's grown out now, but it was pretty short. And one of my friends was like, I feel like you're starting to check off all the, the boxes. I was getting ready to say, I think that seems to be a rite of passage for a lot of us who don't necessarily identify with the feminine parts that we have been holding on to for so long mm -hmm. or the rules. You well, know. I mean, like I had wanted to cut just because I like, let me just give an example, like pink, mm -hmm. the singer pink, like her yeah, yeah. hair, you know, so, or yes. Brandy Carlisle or who Yes. I like that look and I've been Same. wanting to do that for forever, but mm -hmm. my husband wouldn't let me because he said that that would make me look like a lesbian. Oh yes. I understand this so well. Coming from the Christian world, women should have, should have long hair. That's what makes them beautiful. That's what makes them feminine. That is their glory, according to the New Testament. So I had a lot of beliefs wrapped around my hair. When I was in high school, the first time I heard Shanae Connor and saw her, her face, I was like, oh, I want to shave my head like that badass woman right there. That's amazing. I was just blown away and also had a massive crush on her. And I never did it. It was about four months ago now, four or five months ago now, I had just lost my granny and went through some pretty challenging times over the last year, some massively expansive times over the last year. And I just decided one day, I was like, and also, side note, I really liked my hair a lot before I shaved it because I had like the shaved sides and the little cute man bun and all that shit. Loved it, loved it. But it was in that moment I was like, 
it's time to release all of it. And if I want to grow it back, it'll grow back. But I want to do this thing that I, I wanted to do so long ago. And this is me just not really creating a blank slate because I had a blank slate that I have been building upon for seven years now, but really just redefining this being that I live in and taking away all the rules and giving myself more of a blank visual slate that I can work with. And I almost started growing it back out for a little bit. I had three months of growth and then she passed, Shanae O'Connor passed. And I was just, I'm like, you know what? This woman inspired me so much. She helped me to see a part of myself. She didn't have any clue who I was or anything about me, but she inspired me so much as a teenager and even now as a grown adult. Why would I only do that twice? Why would I only shave my head twice and then grow it back out? No. I'm going to keep it because I don't have to do squat when I wake up. It's so nice. I don't have to like get myself super ready. I don't have to spend any time. This is amazing. So it was kind of like longer on the top and then like the sides and the back were more shaved, I guess. Yeah. But it was nice to feel the like wind and stuff. Yeah. scalp for the first time. Oh, yes. But yeah, it's just weird to me how people, whether it's your hair, your clothes, yeah, whatever, however you're presenting yourself on the outside physically, that dictates if you're feminine, masculine, gay, straight, whatever. It's like everybody's just different and they have their own style and yeah. look. And I don't understand why hairstyles and clothing have to be tied to a gender, gender or a sexuality. Mm -hmm. It's like... Agreed. It doesn't make sense. There's so much color. There's so much color. There's so much to play with. It can be really fun when you start to push the boundaries of where you were told the lines are. The, the cool thing about it is we can draw our own lines. We don't have to fit within their lines. We can draw our own lines or we can leave the lines completely off the board and just expand into things because trying something on doesn't mean you have to buy it and take it home. It doesn't mean that. It means I'm going to try this on, see how it feels. If it doesn't fit right, if it pinches here, if you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, meh, I don't think that really fits, you don't have to take it home and keep wearing it. The joy of this expansive experience and coming out later in life is that we have tried other things and we know what those feel like and look like. And now we get to step over the boundary that we were told we can't cross and play in that world and see what's there for us to explore and experience. Whether it's shaving your head, changing your wardrobe, throwing out your dresses, which I totally did. I couldn't imagine wearing a dress at this point. It's all a matter of following that inner feeling. What feels good? When I look in the mirror wearing this or having my hair like this, how does it feel inside of my body? We forget to ask those questions. We ask the questions of, I wonder what people think of me. I wonder if they'll like it. I wonder what they will say or think or feel rather than asking yourself. And I know this because that's, that's the pattern that I had. It was like, if I wanted to cut my hair a certain way, I would send it to all my friends. What do you guys think? Do you think this would look good on me? What do you guys think of this outfit? Should I wear this to this place? How should I dress for this? I would constantly reach outside of myself looking for these answers when all I needed to do is try it on. How does it feel? When I look at, like, for instance, Pink, when I look at her hair, how does it feel? Man, it feels like a badass. I, I love her hair. 
that's the piece that we forget to grab onto is how does it feel inside of us rather than reaching outside of us. And that takes a lot of practice and a lot of self-awareness and a lot of healing because it's it, when you ha are a habitual codependent people pleaser like I was, it takes a lot of courage to try different things on without worrying about what people think. And honestly, the fun part that I have noticed is the more I do it, the more exciting I feel. I go eccentric sometimes, like super weird, because I love getting the weird looks like, the fuck is she weird? Because it's fun. Have you seen that, the Barbie movie? <laughs> I did. I took my daughter to see it. Mm -hmm. So would you consider yourself the weird Barbie? That's 1000%. Yeah. I would, I'm like, the weird Barbie was my favorite out of every single one of those. I don't fit the categories of any other you know, she was eccentric and wild and weird and crazy. And I was like, I like her so much. <laughs> I just found this out yesterday that Mattel is actually going to make that Barbie. Now. I, I heard Rosie say that on TikTok, I think oh. it was. And I was like, oh, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> so speaking of Rosie, so I was going through your TikTok and I noticed one or two. I, I guess it was like a duet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how did that come about? It was almost exactly a year ago I had posted a video talking about my, it was just like, it was a song that I lip sang to and then posted like little bits about being your authentic self and coming out later in life. And I guess she saw it and she duetted me. And I was like, oh my gosh, Rosie O'Donnell duetted me. And it was just a really sweet and very encouraging moment to have someone who has a bigger voice in the world because she is known for the stuff that she's done and the movies that she's made to acknowledge the late bloomers, not just me in general, but like the late bloomers as a whole and be that supportive voice. And that just felt really good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I guess she was a late bloomer <laughs> technically herself. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I remember I used to watch her show all the time and yeah. I think at that time she wasn't out yet so I don't I don't know what age she was when she came out but either. it had to have been at least probably her 30s or 40s I don't yeah I'm not sure when she yeah. came out but I know that she has become a voice for for us and now she speaks a little more loudly about it and I think that is incredible and yeah it was it was pretty exciting for little old me to have Rosie O'Donnell duet me, you know, because yeah. I I was just getting started in my career as a coach. I've been a coach for five years, but I only went full time right at the beginning of COVID. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I lost my, well, actually it was the end of 2020 when I lost my job because of COVID cuts. And I was like, well, if there was never a better time, now it's it. And so I took my coaching career full time and I was still kind of in the baby stages at this point when she did that. So it felt very encouraging for someone like me still kind of learning how to use my voice and learning how to speak up and learning how to be confident in this journey as a late bloomer. Yeah, that felt really good. Yeah. So have you actually talked to her like in the DMs no. or anything? It was just, no. Okay. Yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't talk in the DMs. Like she yeah. commented and things, which was cool. I didn't expect to have any kind of, you know, big conversation, but it's been fun following her and seeing her comments on my posts ever so often. Did you watch the, like the revamped L word? I have not finished it. Okay. No. Cause she was in that and, but I didn't really like her character. 
Yeah, I did see pieces of it. Like I saw the first bit and then I think I, I think it was on Showtime and my Showtime membership ran out. I just didn't renew it. I don't really watch a lot of TV. So I was just like, well, it's fine. But yes, her character was very interesting in that show. But it was fun to see her back on the screen. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's also kind of funny because like when she was in Now and Then, she played a lesbian. But I don't know that she was actually out at that time. So I, I'm not sure. I'd have to look back. But anyway, so as you've been coming out, how have other lesbians who are not late lifers who knew when they were a teenager <laughs> or whatever and have been out since... How do they usually respond or handle it? And then also just maybe people who aren't at all. Like, are they like, well, how could it take you so long to know? And that whole thing. Yeah. So this is a big question. And it goes both ways. I've had some people who've been in the LGBTQIA community their whole lives being very supportive and loving when they hear my story and feel that it's great that I finally was able to accept and know my true self and supported and loved me through it. And then I've had some who have not been so supportive. I've had girlfriends who have said that I couldn't be gay because I was married to a man and said that I had to be bi and then were afraid that I was going to go back to a man kind of thing. I've had a lot of situations where straight people in the religious communities really gave me a what for. I've had to create some very strong boundaries and pretty much cancel people out of my life because if you're going to come at me with religion and tell me I'm going to hell, that's not going to be a very supportive. But yes, I have had to make some, I've had to create some very strong boundaries with some people in my life who feel very strongly against the LGBTQIA community. And I just, at first it would upset me and make me angry or make me feel guilty or make me feel some sense of shame. And then I realized their projection is not mine to receive. I don't have to accept the stories or their beliefs as my own. That can be their beliefs. I can respect and hold space, but that is what they believe. I don't think that it aligns with truth, but it's not my job to tell them how to believe. It's also not their job to tell me how to believe and who to be. And it's very interesting to me how some people think they have the right or the ability to tell us who we are, to slap a label on us, to tell us that we're wrong for our beingness, for who we are. I'm like, that's some boldness right there. Dang. But it does happen. And it happens on both sides. Happens in the LGBTQIA community because there is a, a, some feel like we should have known and it's a fad. It's a cool thing to do to come out right now. No, actually, 2020 shook people awake. 2020 helped, like, gave people a mirror and told them to look in it. 2020 made us sit with ourselves away from everybody else and figure our own selves out. And realize how miserable we are or were in that space of our beingness at the time and realizing how closed in we were. And we saw it all over TikTok. It was wild. It was like the lesbian coming out story all over TikTok, all because people were wrapped in there. And here's the other piece. There was representation that began. When people started talking about it, it was like the other people who heard it were like, oh, wait, oh, wait. I'm not the only one. Holy shit. I'm not the only one. Representation matters. Stories. People who share their stories. It's important. 
Last year, I had a really bad injury that left me laid up in bed for a month, and I literally could not walk. I was in a wheelchair. I was bedbound. It was a rough, rough month that totally rocked my world. And while I was in this space, each week, a, a word came to me, and it was a really supportive word for whatever I was going through. And it started with surrender, trust, allow, release, and share. And I didn't realize until I got to the end and I was sharing with someone about these words that came up and they were like, Carrie, that spells stars. And I was like, that's, that's so cool. But that piece share is not the most important, but feels like one of the most important pieces to that. Because yes, surrender is important. And when I say surrender, I don't mean surrender to your surroundings or to other people. I mean, surrendering to that soul version of yourself, that authentic version of who you are, who you really are. And then the trust is knowing that you're always taken care of and all you ever have to do is ask for that support that you need and trust that the lifeline or the lifeboat's coming to put you, like, to take you down this river of life so you're not getting your ass kicked as you're trying to swim upstream, which is what most of us do. We surrender, we ask for the life raft, we float down this river, allowing soul to guide our path. This inner version of us, not this version, because this is the version that tells us all the bullshit, but this version that tells us the truth of who we are, allowing that version of us to guide our vessel down the river of life. And sometimes there are people in our lives, people, experiences, places, whatever, that align with us on our path down the river. And sometimes the path splits. You ever seen the river when it splits into two rivers? And it's like we get to that point in our lives and we just sit on the pinnacle because we're like, should I go this way or should I go this way? Do I go with this person who's obviously going this way or do I go this way that my soul is calling me to? And that's that piece where we have to release the idea of what we think it's supposed to look like and release the people who are going a different path and not release them as like, ah, you're going a different path than me. You're not right. No, it's release them to go on their soul path, whatever that soul path is, and know that all we need to do is follow our soul path. And sometimes they don't align and they won't continue and gr be grateful for what they brought into our lives when they did come. But that share piece, when we share our stories, other people have this representation that they didn't have before. When we share our stories of being light bloomers, other late bloomers feel seen and heard. They feel validated in their experience. They feel safer in being able to acknowledge their own truth. Are sharing this, what you're doing with the podcast and ha talking about these things and sharing people's stories is massively important. So I just wanted to say that. Thank you for your sharing and for being this representative of this community, because this is a really important piece. Letting people hear our stories is important. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And, and thank you for having the TikTok and the Facebook group. But there's so many platforms out there. So if we can just hit them all. I like what you were saying about the river splitting into two. Through this process, I've lost several friends. And then other friends, they might not agree with it, but mm -hmm. it's not something we discuss and we can continue our friendship and whatever. And then others that are totally supportive. And I had such a hard time for a while, until very recently, accepting or being okay with the fact that some people have, either they've chosen to leave my life or a couple of people I've chosen because it was just better for me to not have them there with the kind of stuff they were saying. So I, I think I finally just recently gotten to the point where like, 
accepted that that's just how life is. Different people come into your life for a season. I think Mm -hmm. we assume and maybe hope that people who come into our life will be there forever. Yeah. But that's just not the case. It's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It really isn't. It's not always the case. Some people come into our life for a season to teach us a lesson, to help us through a part of our journey, to be that guide or that buddy system for that part of that leg of our journey. The Buddha says everything that we cling to causes suffering. So anything we cling to, which means I need this person to like me, I need this person to be my friend, it's going to cause you suffering. Because if that person doesn't accept you and you need them to, you're going to suffer with the not receiving the thing that you think you need. But in truth, the only person that you need to accept you is you. That's a good point. I think that's a good spot to kind of wrap up as well. So if people want to reach out to you, I know your Facebook group is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash late bloomer group. And then you have caring transformation coaching spelled with a K. Yeah. Because of your name. Yeah. Yeah. Carrie, like caring. That's cute. So the best way people can reach me is my website, carriedewitt.com. Super easy, K-A-R-I-D-E-W-I-T-T.com. Super easy to, to go there. Everything that I do is on there. All of my social links are on there. And I actually just started a really special platform to so people can follow me on this next piece of my journey. I am getting ready to do a work, travel, trade kind of situation. I enrolled with a the Workaway program and the World Packers program. So it's basically you travel anywhere all over the world and live for free in exchange for work. It's, it's basically helping to create community and to help with sustainability and help with creating a better world and supporting each other. It's a give and take exchange, basically. I go there to support and help in the mission that they're doing. They give me a place to stay and food to eat. And so I'm getting ready to take this wild journey and it's going to be documented on my blog, on my website, and then I'll be doing lives and sharing video documentation and pictures and things like that on my other platform, which is also on my website. Wow. So do you know where you're going first? Not yet. I'm just literally the way I live life is I just follow the path that I'm led to. I lead a very soul-led life. And the way that I see this is I'm living my fuck yes life. And that's my motto. That's my tagline. That's literally the, the mission that I have, not only for myself, but also to inspire others to do the same. And so, yes, I don't know where I'm going yet, but I have, I've just recently gotten a very, I've gotten a lot of clarity around what's coming next. And so now it's getting enrolled. I created my profiles. I put myself out there. Now I'm, I'm gathering gear, getting ready. And so I feel like it's going to be Central America first. I've been learning Spanish. I'm on like a day 130 of Duolingo. So I've been practicing and I really want to go there. I want to go over to Italy. I want to go to India. I want to go to Brazil. There's so many places, Thailand. There's so many places that I want to go. Some of them are personal. Some of them is I really feel like some of these places need support. They need people to come in and help with the projects that they're doing and help with creating more sustainable living for the communities there. But more than anything, I really want to learn other cultures. I want to see what people, how people live and what people's lives are like outside of our very American culture. The American dream feels like it is no more. 
And so I'm just starting to expand past what I thought the American dream was, because to me, the dream for me is to go into my nomad era, (laughs) to just travel and write. I'm a photographer and I'm a writer. So I plan to document my journey along the way and the lessons that I learn along the way and the way that it expands me in hopes to encourage and inspire others to follow their own dreams. So yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And, and that could be like a second book. <laughs> it Oh, it play. It, yes, it absolutely will be a second book. And I'll ha- I have a blog that I, I'll be starting to add my journeys and to share that because I can't live without writing. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, yeah. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for coming on. I wanted to take this moment to tell you about a program I am in that helps women navigate the journey of realizing their lesbians while in relationships with men. It's a 12-week support program called Coming Out on the Other Side. It is hosted by one of my early podcast guests, Emily Better. Some of the topics include the three stages of coming out later in life, understanding why you didn't figure this out sooner, and why this is so hard. You will go from being scared, confused, lacking confidence, hiding your true self, and feeling alone, guilty, and misunderstood, to overcoming fears, understanding and embracing who you are, being confident in yourself and your decisions, and ultimately being able to come out and live as your authentic self if and when you're ready. Learn more by going to thelatelifelesbian.com.